0: Welcome to On the Middle East, the podcast of the award-winning media service, El Monitor, where each week we talk with the decision makers and thought leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in the Middle East. Happy 2021, everybody. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of El Monitor, and our guest today is Leila Hamada, co-founder and CEO of Finyal Media, based in Dubai. And Finyal, Provides one of the most exciting podcast platforms in the region, reflecting the dynamism and creativity of Arab youth who are using podcasts and other new media platforms for expression, culture, entertainment, and connection during these times of turbulence and change as we start the new year. Now, back in October, we discussed and reported on the 2020 Arab Youth Survey. And the bottom line from that study is that despite the prevalence of war, protests, pandemic, and economic crisis in many of the countries in the region, Arab youth, here defined as aged 18 to 24, have embraced realism, not ideology, and their view of the region. And their view of the region is distinctly modern and entrepreneurial, believing overwhelmingly for example in gender equality and in embracing a digital future yes religion is still central to the identity of 40% of arab youth according to the survey in tribe and arab identity matters too so the picture is mixed and overlapping in the search for expression and authenticity ends up in this fluid, ever-changing media space, which Layla and I will discuss today. Layla Hamada is the CEO and co-founder of Finnal Media, where she is responsible for managing and driving overall growth of the business. She has extensive experience in the media and telecom industry. She's worked as a management consultant and in-house strategy expert for companies in Europe and the Middle East, including OSN, Fremantle Media, Etesawat, and Value Partners. Leila holds a BA from Oxford University and an executive MBA from London Business School. My conversation with Leila Hamada begins now. Leila, welcome to On the Middle East.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Leila, Finiel's mission, as you all describe it, is to tell stories that help young people reconnect with the Arab world by championing local culture in a modern way that's relatable to the younger generation. So uh, let's start by telling us more about your assessment of media content in the Arab world, the niche your podcasts fill, You know, my experience as a baby boomer who was working in the region in the pre-millennial era was that media before the digital era, not just in the region, but globally was mostly kind of top-down content, highly regulated, limited platforms. Obviously, there was TV, radio, print, but that was then. Uh, Which genres now are coming out on top, especially with the millennial and post-millennial cohort group?
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for the question. Um, and I think your, your assessment of you know, the way the media industry in the region looked historically is a, is a pretty accurate one, to be honest. I mean, uh, the way the, the, the industry has evolved is that you know, traditionally it was, it was very much dominated by uh, a few big players that were uh, sort of leading the way in a, uh, in a sort of top-down approach. Um, And I think the result of that was that, um, you know, you have a a huge um, generation of young people who've grown up in the region, not really seeing themselves represented in that media. Um, And I think as soon as, you know, the trend started shifting towards digital the way they have all over the world, I think this trend was sort of exacerbated in the region because People here, young people here, have been sort of looking for uh, forums to be able to express themselves more freely, but also to um, to be able to create content that feels a little bit more a little bit more authentic and a little bit more representative re- representative of their uh, of their generation. And I think for us, you know, we've we've seen this in the the, the huge consumption. Uh, or the huge consumption rates that that you have on YouTube in the region which are some of the highest on a per capita basis in the world um, and we also see that in the in the podcasting space which is you know where um, where we saw an opportunity as finial media to start creating content that would fill that gap in uh, in audio um, and you know my, myself and my two co-founders, Majid, who is Emirati, and Mushari, who is Saudi-Kuwaiti, all came to this uh, project, if you will, as as three relatively young Arabs, I would say, um, not finding themselves or their identity represented in the media, and, and kind of wanting to change that and start creating content that was relatable. That felt authentic. Um, that sort of speaks to young people and and kind of helps to bridge that gap between the traditions that the very strong traditions that we still have in the Arab world, but also the modern day lives that that we're all kind of uh, kind of used to living now. Um, when,
0: oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Please go ahead. I, I mean, I was going to say when I'm listening to your, your your podcast, you know, I really get that sense of that uh, fluidity and engagement between, you know, Arab youth and young people expressing themselves. And and one thing I've noticed is some of your podcasts are in Arabic, some in English, some have both. And, and, and some like uh, Juha and Sinbad, those are traditional cultural stories, are, are in Arabic and are targeted, it seems, at an even kind of younger cohort. You have guests from the West and the East, it seems you know, as I mentioned, incredibly fluid. I was listening to uh, Party Platforms, which is about food, and it was primarily Arabic, but drifted into English here and there with a guest from uh, Virginia here in the United States, I might add, uh, my home state. So, so tell us about, you know, as you as you look at these genres and, and, and trends, tell us about language and media consumption and identity for both content providers and consumers in the region because i think this is something you guys are uh, finniao are very much onto and uh, convey very well
1: yeah um good good point we do we do span a number of different languages in our shows um and i think you know if i if i sort of put some explanation around that i mean we have a couple of english language talk shows uh, Millennial Mirrors and Yalla, which were actually the first two shows that we produced. And the reason for doing them in, uh, in English initially was mostly because, you know, as, uh, as a, as a startup team, we were based in Dubai and, and mainly targeting the UAE market and it kind of uh, makes sense when you're approaching uh, a UAE based audience to, 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 do co- to produce content in, uh, in English. And it also made it a little bit easier to tackle some of the uh, sort of social and cultural subjects uh, in English than in Arabic, which are often sort of uh, not talked about on other, on other forms of media. Um, But once we started um, moving to a more kind of regional play and trying to create content that was, you know, bringing in Arabs from uh, from across the region, it it absolutely made sense for us to, to start creating content in Arabic. And of course, with that shift um, we saw a huge increase in, in audience, um, and that's not just because you know, the, the, the population uh, in, the, in the MENA region is, is bigger than the population in the UAE, but it's also because when you, when you talk to um, uh, young Arabs over here and you ask them what sort of content uh, you're looking for, it's quite surprising because although they're kind of flooded with Hollywood content from every angle and a lot of the sort of uh, uh, premium and in inverted commas content that we see on some of the uh, streaming platforms is what people are paying for actually what they say in terms of what they're looking for is to have more local content that is based on their own history and their own culture and I think the best way that you can uh, champion that is by doing it, obviously, in the uh, in the language of source. Um, and the way we do that is uh, by focusing on content that sort of uh, again bridges that gap between the traditions of the region and the modern day lives. So you mentioned Joha, you mentioned Sindabad. We also have, you know, uh, One Thousand and One Nights, which is which is one of our biggest shows, actually. Um, and all of these stories are obviously uh, very classic when it comes to uh, Arab culture, but they're resonating so incredibly well with young people here. I mean, the vast majority of our audience is aged 18 to 25. And these are really kind of old stories that, 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 that you might not think would would res- resonate with that generation. But I think because the sort of cultural t- ties to the legacy of the region is, is so strong, Um, We take those stories, we sort of adapt them um, by using very kind of dynamic voice acting, we take out any references that are no longer relevant in today's world, so any sort of sexism or uh, racism that, you know, wouldn't be appropriate today, and we re-script them in a way that young people can actually relate to. And that kind of content really, really works. And I think it's partly because it, um, uh, it has such a, a, it's rooted in such strong tradition. Um, but I think it's also partly because people in the region are looking for escapism. And that's why entertainment does really, really well. Uh, and this has definitely been accelerated by the onset of, um, of COVID this year, where people have more and more been looking for content that helps them to escape from the day-to-day, to distract them. And by doing this in podcast form, it means they can be consuming the content while they're doing something else. And uh, the kind of escapist element becomes really, really strong.
0: Do you see podcasts as a challenge to radio and TV, a complementary platform?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I would say all of these platforms are complementary in a sense, because the way people consume podcast content is quite different from the way they consume uh, video content, for example. People people listen on their commute, or people listen in Saudi, especially they listen while they're doing uh, sort of you know chores at home or or cooking in the kitchen and work around the house, that kind of thing. Um, so they are complementary, but at the same time, I mean, the shift that we've seen from linear to on-demand content consumption happened a long time ago in the video world. And I think it's only just sort of starting to happen at least in the Arab world for the audio world. Um, So there is certainly uh, a generational difference in the way people consume audio content. I mean, young, uh, young people here are are not inclined to, to be listening to radio, and so that those ears are definitely turning towards um, uh, towards podcast consumption. Just because they're used to having everything on demand now, you know, it's just it, linear is not an option, or not being able to choose when and how and what you listen to is is not really an option for for people under the age of twenty five.
0: My generation and and, and prior. dealing with the region was that uh, radio was really king for a long time Uh, and I know here in in the States in those you know there's also a a podcast uh, explosion as well and some in radio uh, see that as challenging uh, to the traditional radio medium because again you can have these exciting programs or fascinating discussions on demand rather than having to, you know, listen through commercials and content that may not always be of interest to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's all content, right? And even if right. the delivery mechanism has to change, and, and that's why you see a lot of radio stations now moving into the podcasting space, even if the delivery mechanism has to change, you know, the uh, the process of, of producing great content doesn't really change. And, and maybe it becomes more episodic or there, there are slight changes to the, type, the, the formats that, that the content is created in. But really, there is so much room, I think, for even the radio stations here to, to start producing more uh, more podcast content. I mean, when you look at the the supply that we have today of Arabic podcasts uh, in a region of what, roughly 400 million people? I think we have barely 400 podcasts in Arabic. So, uh, you know, uh, by anyone's standards, there is huge room for, uh, you know, a lot more players to come in to this space, including the radio stations. And I think that will definitely help to grow the industry as a whole. So by, by our estimates, Currently, we're looking at, you know, podcast penetration in the region of, of roughly four or five percent of the population compared to somewhere like the U.S. where you are, where it's what, 50, 60 percent these days. and am growing. Right.
2: Right. <laughs> so
1: uh, I think, you know, the more supply that we have from from all types of content providers in the region, the faster we can get to those really high penetration rates over here as well.
0: As CEO, uh, you have the business lead at Finau. Uh, How do you see the trend in the region for free versus paid content? And what are the barriers and opportunities to monetization uh, for podcast platforms like yours? And are, Do you seek corporate sponsors uh, for your programs? Do you rely on advertising? How do you see that trend in, in the business?
1: Yeah, good question. So, um, so the Arab world has, has really historically relied very much on uh, on advertising as a means of funding uh, funding media. So, uh, whether it's the big TV players like NBC or uh, you know the the global social media platforms that are very big here, YouTube and, and Facebook, it's all sort of advertising driven. Um, and there is, I think, a couple of reasons for that. One is that um, piracy here has been very rife uh, for a long time. And the second is that there is a, um, there is a bit of a perception among, uh, among Arabs about the value of local content versus Western content. Um, and I think part of the reason, reason that some uh, sort of pay TV or subscription platforms took a long time to take off were because you know people were willing to willing to pay for uh, western content but not necessarily for arabic content just because of those a, a sort of uh, you know a perception of, of a difference in value i guess for the consumer um but it does feel like that is changing and that has changed quite a lot over the last couple of years um so recently we've seen quite a Quite significant growth in uh, subscription services in the region. Um, so, on the sort of uh, video streaming side, you know, Netflix and Stars Play are both uh, really big in the region now. Um, and I think generally, you know, it's it's the same as the sort of global trend for these uh, for these players. But generally, there is a lot uh, a lot more of an appetite to um, to pay for these kind of content. And a lot better ways for content providers like ourselves to actually access the consumer and break down the barriers of, of sort of uh, payment methods and things like that. So what a lot of subscription services do is partner with the telecom players so that they can uh, use them uh, to, um, to help people that don't have credit cards, for example, pay for the content. Um, so a lot of, there are a lot of sort of infrastructure changes that are a lot of uh, changes in the ecosystem that mean that the, um, the potential for paid content uh, by consumers as opposed to paid content by advertisers is starting to take off. And I think, you know, over the next couple of years, we'll see a lot more of that. And that will be a big opportunity, not just for, for video, but also for audio. And I think in the podcasting space, we'll definitely start to see um, more uh, sort of subscription-based content that is not just reliant on on advertising.
0: Let me ask about one program that seems to have gotten a lot of attention called uh, The Basement. And (laughs) yeah, this is what you've said is the, the first original fictional mystery thriller podcast series. This seems a lot of work in terms of production, much more than, you know, the standard interview podcasts. Uh, Tell us about how you're thinking about it and how has it been received and is it generating a lot of interest in terms of uh, listeners?
1: Um, it has, yes. So, so you're definitely right that it has been. Uh, it's been a big undertaking in terms of, you know, what what we uh, what we wanted to do with the basement. Um, it is the first original drama series that's been ever been created in podcast form uh, right. for the region. And, you know, scripted fiction is something that that has worked quite well in places like the US and, uh, you know, when we look at TV and other platforms. You know, drama series are, you know, the biggest genre for uh, consumption on those platforms, so it made a lot of sense for us to um, sort of replicate that but in in podcast form. Um, now, it it, it, was, uh, it was a big risk, because it's not something that has been done before. And although a lot of our other fictional shows, uh, we do have other fictional shows, there are more sort of short stories and they're more uh, based on existing stories from, from our past. So this one is very contemporary. Um, it's based around uh, uh, a fictional character, Fadi, who is basically a a washed up YouTube star, uh, an Egyptian guy who is looking to reclaim his fame and discovers a a, a sort of box of old tapes in his basement when he moves into a new house, starts replaying those tapes and uh, discovers that it's the ramblings of this psychopath um, who was stalking his neighbor and sets out to kind of uncover uncover that mystery um now it's been uh the reception has been pretty incredible actually um and one of the things that we're uh, most excited about uh is that you know we have obviously um feedback from our listeners all the time whether it's on the, uh, the podcasting apps or people writing to us directly and one of the things that we've noticed with this show which is very different is that the response we're getting is people thinking that the, the, the central fictional character is actually real, because it's oh. a very realistic uh, style. And so we're getting comments that are addressed directly to Fadi himself, wow. who is a, a made up character, <laughs> sort of saying, hang in there, Fadi, you know? <laughs> don't listen to the haters.
2: <laughs>
1: so I guess this is a good sign that it's, uh, it's realistic at least and it's resonating well with people. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. Let, let me uh, let me ask about my favorite podcast, uh, Millennial Mirrors, and I I find this this program not only speaks to young Arab influence uh, influencers, uh, but really taps into how youth are using media for expression. And as the host of the show and your your partner and co-founder um, Mishary Al nazi describes it, between contentment and success. And the topics have included things like how does what you create reflect you and determination and using your platform for purpose. Tell me what you continue to learn from this program about Arab youth culture and influencers and where you see these trends going. Yeah,
1: um, so, so Millennial Mirrors was originally crafted by Mashari because um, he was working in the uh, uh, Kuwaiti oil sector at the time and he saw, uh, I think, a big disconnect between the sort of upper management of the, of the companies he was working with, um, who were more sort of traditional Kuwaitis and the young people that were coming into the company and their sort of aspirations and, and the way they wanted to live their lives. Um, And I think he sort of set about trying to um, bridge that gap by addressing some of the topics that are, you know, uh, really at the forefront of of young people's minds in the region, but that are usually not addressed or talked about in, in, in traditional Arab culture. So by addressing things like um, like shame, which is a big part of mm. um, you know uh, something that we, people often say to their to their children or, or um, things like that in Arab families, um, addressing sort of self acceptance, uh, what it really means to be a man, what it really means to be a woman mm. in in today's society. Um, I think you know for us it was about opening those topics up and, and allowing people um, a, a kind of safe place to have those discussions, w- which they couldn't do on other channels and they couldn't do um, in other platforms. Um, and yes, you know, some of the interviews are with uh, influencers, but I think for, for us, it was it was less about having you know, big names and more about having people that were qualified to talk on the subjects uh, in a way that people would relate to. And sometimes that means, you know, with the, with the generation that we're, we're, um, that we have in our, in our audience, sometimes that means bringing people that they, they recognize or they, uh, you know, they know from social media um, and using them um, to, 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 to allow young people to think, to, to realize it's okay to have these discussions and um, give them a room sort of forum for, for expressing that
0: these feelings and ideas and worldviews that are reflected in that program are really uh, different you know, uh, across generations. And like you say, dealing with issues of shame and identity and what's it mean to be a man and what's it mean to be successful and happy. Uh, many of, of these issues just aren't uh, understood across generations, sometimes not understood across cultures. And listening to these, these uh, the guests on your show talk about that has really been uh, an experience for me uh, and, and understanding even more how not only Arab youth, but I think this generation of people who look to these mediums uh, for like you say, a, a safe outlet of expression and people are, who are looking to media more or more and more people looking to media for expression
1: yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that was uh, the, the other show that we did initially uh, that my, my co-founders started, Majid and Mishari, was, uh, was called Yala and was similar in that, you know, it was effectively about them starting up a, a podcast business. And a big part of that was how do we fail along the way? Right. And I think the reason it kind of resonated with people here was people are not used to listening to two uh, Khalijis talking about their failures. Right. <laughs> like, that is not a thing that is usually done in media. You know, it's uh, everything is usually very glamorous here. It's sort of, uh, we gloss over things, uh, you know, to make them look pretty. And I think, you know, having that kind of authentic feel and uh, inviting people into that process and showing them that, you know, some things go well and some things don't go so well was, uh, was really powerful.
0: It is powerful. And it's, it's a life lesson. The degrees of success sometimes aren't just, uh, aren't just incremental, but there can be some start-stop uh, and, and that's what it is, you know, even for the most successful people, and, and that matters. And for people to be okay with that in a, in a culture sometimes where, um, you know, success is everything. And oh my gosh, I've been set back in, in my life for whatever reason, um, to hear that, yeah, you know, we went through that too. And let me tell you about it. And let me tell you what we learned and how, how we got to another place
1: exactly everything is a journey
0: (laughs) right indeed well look uh, leila i've really enjoyed this conversation uh as you can tell i'm i'm a fan of what you're doing at finial media with your podcasts. i appreciate your time today and talking with us on on the middle east
1: thank you andrew it's been such a pleasure talking to you appreciate
0: it i will be right back after this short break
2: I'm Ben Kaspit, a monitor veteran columnist reporting from Israel, one of the world's major news and action suppliers of all times, comparing to its tiny size. I've been covering and analyzing the political, diplomatic, and military arenas in Israel for over 34 years. My best-selling biography, The Netanyahu Years, was out two years ago. I covered seven prime ministers, one major war, two intifadas, one prime minister's assassination, Two and a half peace treaties, four military operations in Gaza, and it's not letting up anytime soon. I'm glad to invite you to On Israel, our brand new podcast, where we will discuss major events in Israel and its surroundings, talk to decision makers, leaders, and analysts, and try to understand the chaos that comes with the territory of Israel and the Middle East. You will never have a dull moment with us. See you soon here. On Israel, Al-Monitor.
0: Thank you all for listening to On the Middle East. And thanks to our production team of Phil Calabro of El Monitor and Beowulf Rochlin of Two Square Media Productions. We will be back next week. And in the meantime, please sign up for this and our other Al Monitor podcast on Israel at your favorite podcast platform.